Welcome to today's edition of the Real Bill Podcast. I'm your host, Real Joe Quinn. Recording this on a Thursday as we get closer to the NFL season. College football a couple of days away with uh, week zero. So football is basically back in, will be back in full swing before you know it um, from, you know, from this weekend until February. Uh, so definitely an exciting time for all the football fans out there. We will talk a little bit about the NFC West uh, with three questions. Um, but I want to begin, well, first, some, some real deal podcast housekeeping. We will not be doing multiple episodes of Snowfall a, a week. We're going to trim it down to one that because of football, because of NFL and soon the NBA coming back, we're going to trim that to one episode a week of Snowfall. So, just keep that in mind. Um, we'll begin this weekend, season two. Uh, enjoyed season one. Uh, so uh, just a little housekeeping for my audience out there. Uh, before we get into the AFC West, um want to talk about this Stefan Diggs uh, situation in Buffalo um, with him apparently, apparently being unhappy. Uh, you know, you have Stephen A's report that he wants out, that he wanted, he wants out. Diggs completely refuted that report. And I want to be honest with you, I came on here ready to basically rip Stephon Diggs a new one from a standpoint of like you're on a, a championship team, you're playing with you're playing with a great quarterback, a, a, a top legit top five organization right now. Like, what are you complaining about? I really, I really came on with that mindset. Before I did, before I did some more digging, no pun intended, and before I listened to his press conference, um, he did a press conference a couple of weeks back, and I'm gonna be honest with you, he handled he handled himself as well as, uh, first of all, he didn't sound like a malcontent at all. He didn't sound like he either that or he's one of the great act, act, athlete actors of all time. He he sounded like a guy who not only wanted to be in Buffalo, but he sounded, I really started like thinking like when you really break this down, he's so he's 29 years old, says he has more football behind him than ahead of him. And he sees, he understands that Super Bowl windows can close fast. So he has basically, you know, been, you know, upset or unhappy about, you know, Buffalo not being able to get over, not being able to get over the hump and get to a Super Bowl or or not let alone win a Super Bowl, not even get to a Super Bowl. And I, I think that like yeah. Like I mean I you know, we we get on guys for a lot of things in sports um that are non sports related, greed guys, sports and trades and things of that nature. I'm looking at this, this guy just wants to win. I mean that's that's what it, it sounds like to me. This guy just wants to win. Um, I'll read a quote from uh one of his the press conference. I've got more football behind me than I than I do than I do in front of me. Uh, Dick said, according to Syracuse.com, my main focus and my only focus is winning Super Bowls. I mean, everybody says they want they want they want a Super Bowl, but we've had legitimate chances at this thing. We've had the team, we've had the coaches, we've had everything we needed. So that, that again, that didn't sound like a guy that that is not happy playing in Buffalo. Like normally, you hear guys complain. Somebody they're gonna point at they're gonna point the finger at somebody. 
a coach, a general manager, a player, you know, the team trainer. They're going to point somebody. He, there was no finger pointing at all. There was zero. There was no finger pointing from, uh, from Diggs whatsoever. So, I like, like I said, I, I was thoroughly impressed with his handling of the press conference. And, you know, like I said, I, I can't, like I said, I, I can't sit, I can't get on here and destroy, and destroy him for wanting to win. Um, but he missed what part of the first mini camp or what, what have you. He's back in practice now. This is not a money situation. He's not pointing fingers. Um, and I and based off the press conference and based off some of the things I've read and heard him say, I don't think he wants out of Buffalo. To be honest with you, because frankly. It would make zero sense for him to want one out of Buffalo. During that press conference, he says, I've gotten at least 100 targets since I got to Buffalo. Then Buffalo were like, what, four or five, at least four years. So it's not, again, he's making top money, top dollar for a receiver. He's on a championship caliber team, and he gets the ball. Like, there's no reason for him to want out of Buffalo. There are not that many better situations uh, in the NFL than what the Buffalo Bills have as far as talent, coaching, quarterbacking. Like, they're just not. They are loaded. Now, there might be some that say they have a chance to take a step back this year. We'll see. That team goes in as a legit Super Bowl contender. I don't care what nobody says. They were 13-3 last year. The year before last, they were in the AFC Championship. Or two years ago. Two years ago, they were in the AFC Championship. The year before last, they lost one of the great classic playoff games of all time. Last year was a major disappointment in terms of them getting embarrassed uh, by Cincinnati. But for the last three years, the last two, two years or so, they've had championship-caliber teams uh, as far as talent. And he says that. So I, I just see a guy, to be honest with you, who wants to win. Um, I, I can't I, I can't call it anywhere else. I can't see it nowhere else. Uh, no way else. Like, I can't sit here and it does because, it, again, it does not make sense for him to want out of Buffalo. It just doesn't make sense at all. But again, I could be wrong. There could be more, there could be, there could be more to this than what is actually coming out. Is that is that on the, is that possible on the table? Sure. Sure. It's always a possibility. But I feel like in today's day and age, social media, the way the players talk, the way the media talks, the way these stories get leaked, the way things just come out like no one in sports can keep a secret no one like no one like there's no <laughs> stuff does not get uh, very few things get unreported especially when it comes to is when it comes to some um things that are going on in the locker room or players unhappy or coaches unhappy owners unhappy if you if someone's unhappy and you're gonna find out about it period this is just podcasting this this is the world we we live in their privacy is like you know, it is a privacy is a lost art in our society, in the sports society. Everybody wants attention of some of some sort. Like attention is a new drug. Now, you know, now in society and sports as well. So, again, I I think Diggs to me is coming from a place of just wanting to win at very badly. Um, we'll see. You know, the season will tell it all. You know, we'll see. Now, again, he has to handle himself a little bit better as far as some of the, the, the on the sideline antics a little bit. Got a little like, come on, man. Like, you, yeah, we, 
you know we don't want to win, but you don't want to win more than everybody else. I don't get the sense that like I I I don't like I don't get the sense that on that team that he wants to win so like like ten times worse than everybody else. I, I like he needs to pipe down a little bit from that standpoint. Um, again, I Briggs is a great player. Uh, he's been a top receiver for like the last four or five years. Um, and it might be listen. I'll just just thought about this. But those their guys, guys like Stephen Diggs, Stephen Diggs are not are somewhat few and far between. Normally, you're looking at guys who just want out for the sake of wanting out, or it's just about money, or they don't get along with the owner, or they're not getting along with the coach, or it's somebody else's fault. He literally during that press conference did not point the finger at anyone. Like there was no, there was that. That's the thing that stood out. This, we live in a world, especially a sports world, where a lot of these guys, some of these guys lack accountability and they will quickly throw anybody, any and everybody under the bus in a heartbeat. They, that wasn't the case. So that's why it came off to me as like, okay, this this really could be something like we might be overthinking this in terms of thinking that there's something him with him and Josh Allen, him with the coach. It might just be like this guy wants to wants to win very, very badly and feels that those opportunities are slipping away as the years pass. So, um, I think that uh, again, this was a this was a newsworthy newsworthy story. So you can't like if a guy is not happy of his magnitude in the locker room, that could that could that could kill a season like that. So this was a big story, but I again I I don't anticipate that he first of all they can't release him. It's too much. He counts too much against the salary cap. That would be a disaster. That's not going to happen. You're not going to trade him. You will not. I, I don't see that happening as well. They're not that deep at the receiver. Like they, the receiver, they, they, he, you can't be, he's not going to get traded. Like that's not, that's not even the option to me to trade him, um, to be honest with you. So you're talking about trading him, then you're talking about, are you not rebuilding, but you're talking about, unless he just goes berserk in the locker room and becomes a, a cancer, which I don't see happening, to be honest with you. Teammates love him. I haven't heard anything from his teammates say anything bad about him. He's a captain on the team. He's been a captain for the last three years. He has a lot of respect in that locker room. There's a, whole, a tremendous amount of respect. He's well-respected in, in, in that locker room. So I'm not going to say this is much to do, do about nothing because the cryptic tweet, the, uh, some of the stuff that happened at the end of last season. So this, this was something. But it just wasn't. It's just not something that, to me, that's going to keep Buffalo from uh, competing for an AFC championship and also a uh, possible Super Bowl berth. Deep dive for this edition of the Real Deal podcast. Magic versus Curry. Uh, Stephen Curry. Uh, Stephen Curry went on was went on Gil Arenas, Gil, Gilbert Arenas' podcast a couple of days ago and said that uh, he feels like he's the greatest point guard of all time. Now, I'll give you some context. He didn't just come out and say it just out of nowhere. He was asked a question do you, you know by Gilbert Arenas? Do you believe that you're the best point guard of all time? Do you believe you're the greatest point guard of all time? Um, he said, you know, yeah, basically is you know me and Magic, and he was very complimentary of Magic Johnson, of course. But you know, he talked his shit like, hey, I do feel like I'm the do feel like I'm the best point guard of all time. Um. You know, Gilbert Arenas tried to make the point, well, as a player in terms of the size and things of, the, things of that nature, as a, in terms of the size and physicality, you know, I look at Magic in terms of, you know, the impact 
of the game and seeing what like seeing you know how he's influenced the generation you know you got it from that standpoint so Gil, i mean listen gilbert was basically you know, he's on the podcast gilbert kind of you know curtailed to him which is fine we, whatever from that standpoint here's what i'll say before i you know i'll i'll get down get into the to the uh the comparison and by the way it is i'm a magic guy laker man laker fan you, everybody knows this that knows me but it is a conversation without first of all it's a legit it has become a legit conversation there was a time that i wouldn't even talk about this like i would have been like no you're not you're kidding me he's he was right on magic magic's heels right now i mean he's right there with magic johnson right there like he's the number he is a clear-cut number two Point guard of all time, clear cut second best point guard of all time. It's not even that's not even debate. Uh, from that standpoint, um, he's put the time in, four rings, the impact on the game. Uh, we've never seen a player like him that can shoot the ball the way he can shoot the ball, greatest shooter of all time, and he frankly is one of the best, greatest winners from this generation. He is like, in my opinion, the Tim Duncan as a leader, a teammate. He is like the Tim Duncan. Of this generation, and Steph is a great, great player, all-time great player. Uh, that that goes without saying. But I wonder, you know, when I hear hear someone who is as humble, and Steph is humble, very is. Listen, Steph gets on the court, and he could be an ass on the court, and it, like he'll 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 talk to he he will destroy you and kind of talk with you. Steph does some asshole. He does some asshole shit on the court. I, I can I I would want to punch Steph in the face because <laughs> he'll he'll just toy with you and you have and there's nothing you can do about it. But as a as a man, you know he's a Christian family man. He is as humble, uh, deals with the media, handles himself with the media with with with, with style and grace. Um, I was kind of surprised that he came out and said this to be honest with you, and I I just wonder if that is just where we're at now in terms of athletes, in terms of guys feeling like that is how they have to brand themselves once they get to a certain level to say, I'm the GOAT. Um, now, one the guy who, to me, is the greatest basketball player of all time has never said they use the GOAT. He would have said it before him, talking in terms of Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan, you can say, listen, Michael, Michael Jordan, you watched the, um, uh, the last dance. Michael Jordan came off as a pure narcissist, and we did, did a podcast on it. You know, five episodes, and we discussed in detail. Rob Sapp, Chad Quinn, shout uh, salute to them in detail how narcissistic that uh, Michael Jordan is, was, and is. We get it, but to his credit, he has never said that I'm the goat. He's always said that you can't compare errors, so on and so on. You know, and, and it took it from there. He's never said that. Now we've heard LeBron say it. Uh, to try and LeBron been pumping himself as that for like the last seven years. Remember, LeBron said this in like 2016 after they uh took out Golden State in that uh, uh three games down from being down three games to one. And again, I just wonder if that if guys get to that level that they that they feel like they have to say that, like it's part of the branding, part of their marketing that they feel the need to say that. It is to me, I've always in my certain. To myself, I've always felt better about someone complimenting me than me complimenting myself. That's just uh, like that's just me. I've always that that you know, um, and again, I, I just think that that just might be the era that we're in right now. To be honest with you, as far as the comparison goes, listen, it's very close. 
Um, but there are three reasons why. Um, and they've had similar careers, to be honest with you. Uh, Steph with the five straight finals from, you know, from 2015 to 2019. Uh, Magic Johnson went to four straight finals um, from 80, from 83 to, uh, or from 82 to 85, from 82 to 85, uh, Michael, Michael, uh, Magic Johnson with the four straight finals. Both of them went back to the one back-to-back championships. Both of them have played on super teams. Um, Magic's playoff record, 32-8. and eight. Steph's playoff record, 23-5. and five. Both of them have basically, when they get in the playoffs, they're basically just basically championship or conference finals at the, at the, at the least. They don't rarely have they been eliminated in the open, in the first rounds and go home early. They both, they both, Mostly uh, make deep runs into the playoffs when they t- when they get their teams there. Here's the difference uh, to me. This is why I have to give it to Magic right now. Besides the obvious, in terms of having one more ring, we never regarded Steph has never was never regarded as the best player in the league. He was close. 2016, if they take out LeBron, they win their second straight championship. He come you know, he's coming off a unanimous MVP. He wins Finals MVP. He probably would have. We probably would have walked away from that season saying that he's the best player in the league. But they blew a three-one league, and LeBron completely obliterated him in that finals. Um, Magic for a three-year period, say from eighty-seven to ninety, was the best player in the league. Jordan was the most exciting, the most talented. He hadn't won yet. Magic was the best player in the league for three years. Once he hit that hook shot to beat the Boston. Uh, he hit that hook shot uh, to take control of that series in 87. They ended up winning that series four games to two. He took the mantle from Larry Bird as the best player in the league, and he kept it for at least three years. Magic takes a team in 1991 that really didn't have any business going to the NBA Finals. Go back, go look, go look at that roster in 91. Eldon Campbell, an older James Worthy, um, an older Byron Scott, um, you know, David Rivers. Like, that was not that was not a Lottie Divac, nice player, a rookie. Lottie Divac was a rookie, I believe, that year. Uh, you know, that that was not a big time team. That was not a champ. They shouldn't they they should not have they they shouldn't have beat Portland in that series in the Western Conference Finals that year. They shouldn't have. Portland that uh, Portland probably kicking themselves um for not winning that series. Of course they probably would have lost to the Bulls like they did in ninety two, but that that's for ninety one. That ninety one Lakers team wasn't any good, and Magic carried them to the finals uh, before they got uh, taken out by the Bulls. Um, Curry doesn't have that on his resume from that standpoint of carrying a team that probably wasn't that good to a finals, let alone championship. Now the last championship Curry won again, Draymond Green and Clay Thompson are are, are, are without question Hall of Fame players. Magic didn't those you know. Like I said, he had an older James Worthy and a bunch of role players. Also, I think people forget that Magic went to the nine finals in 12 years. Okay, nine finals in 12 years. So, you know, I think, you know, that recently, but, you know, people didn't, people don't understand just how dominant Magic was. And I get I, I get a sense that, you know, people just look at, you know, shooting and scoring. It's not like Magic was averaging eight points a game or 10 points a game. Magic was a career 19 points 
averaged 19 points a game for his career. Magic could score if he wanted to. He didn't have to score. That wasn't what Magic did what was called for what he was called to do. Magic could dominate a game by saying you could be the best player on the floor, but by only taking like five shots. He could dominate with his passing, his rebounding, his just, you know, pushing the pace, his sheer just physicality. He could post up. Like, I, I just don't get a sense that people people I, I don't Steph can dominate a game through shooting. Steph is not neither one of them are great defensive defensive players, so we're strictly talking offense. But you know, if Steph's not if, if Curry's not making shots, yeah, he can still impact the game because because of how the defenses rotate to him and he can get other people's shots and layups. But he can't dominate a game if he's not making shots. Magic could dominate a game without making shots, without scoring. He doesn't Magic did not need to score to dominate. That is the difference to me. Now again, um Curry is knocking on Magic's heels. He's very close. He's very close. I like a lot closer than I ever thought anyone, any point guard would ever get, to be honest with you. But he's not quite there yet. Not yeah. And again, he's still listen, he's in the prime of his career. He's at an extended prime. He's gonna have end up having longevity over Magic. But we're talking peak magic versus peak curry, peak curry. I'm taking I'm taking peak magic. And uh, you know, I hear a lot of these arguments about, well, who would you put on an all-time great team? And you, in today's game, you would want Curry because of shooting. First of all, if I had an all-time great team with Jordan, let's say, you know, if you want for argument's sake, put Kareem on there, you want to put Tim Duncan on there. I want I need someone who can, who is a distributor, LeBron on there. I don't need a scorer. Oh yeah, you don't. I, I don't care. My point guard doesn't have to have a great jump shot or score the basketball. He has to set people up. That's all I want my point guard to do: set people up. And at six nine, Magic can rebound, start a fast break, and we're going. We're you know, it's two points the other way. So I, I I don't need score. I don't need my point guard to be able to score having on an all time great team. If, if if that's if that's the argument we're making again, as far as winning, both of these guys are winners. Both of these guys are great leaders. Both of these guys are, are you, you want leading your franchises. Both of these guys are about winning and winning only. So from that standpoint, they're roughly basically basically the same. And they both again play have played with a shitload of talent. Shitload of talent in the Hall of Famers. So that kind of cancels itself out. They both have played on multiple super teams. Curry has two two super team championships. Magic probably has about three, to be honest with you. No, I don't know if that 88, that 88 Lakers team wasn't a super team because Kareem was old. I would say the 85 Lakers, 85, um, I would say 85 and 87. I'm not even, even Magic as a rookie, that wasn't a super team. Kareem was great, and they had like a lot. Of, I can't call it that super team. It's a very, very good team, not super team. I would say that the super team, the great super team Laker teams, maybe even 82, 82, 85, 87. Okay, so three. So three, that's fine. That's the three. But uh, again, this is a very, um, it's a great sports debate. It's a great basketball debate. Two totally different players, two completely different styles of play. Like Curry is the score, Magic the facilitator, and rebounding and what have you. And Curry, by the way, has improved his all-around game as well, to his credit. And defensively, Curry has improved. 
Uh, I love Steph Curry. I like. I love his game. Like, he's the most exciting player to watch in the NBA. He's absolutely must see TV right uh, right now. Uh, but he's not quite there yet. Close, but not quite there as far as Matt Gray's point guard. Three questions for the NFL. Uh, we continue to uh, give our, our give a preview to the NFL season. Uh, going by division by division. This week we are on the NFC West. Three questions that that could define the division. Um, First, the Florida Niners starting quarterback. It was announced that Brock Purdy, Purdy will be the starting quarterback. Sam Darnold is number two. Uh, Trey Lance is number three, and there are speculation that uh, Trey Lance could get moved. Listen, the Florida, listen, the Florida Niners have been knocking at the door for the last couple of years. They went to the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. Last year, they've been to multiple NFC championships. They've had great second half runs. They've they've been a a tremendous playoff team. They've been one of the best. They've been probably the best non-playoff team, the best non-Super Bowl winning team uh, in the playoffs over the last three or four years that just hasn't been able to get over the hump. Uh, they have a championship caliber team. We know, the, we know how great the defensive line, the, the defensive front seven is. We know, you know, we know that they can run the ball. We know how great Debo Samuel is. That quarterback position is going to be that that is one of the biggest questions in the league because if Brock Purdy can come back healthy and could pick up where he left off uh last season, that is they they are a legit championship team. Now, I don't I believe that they're gonna go as far as he takes them. I don't believe forget about Sam Darnold. You don't want him to see the field unless it's some garbage time. Trey Lance, the Trey Lance experiment is over to me. I just don't see Trey Lance. That's that's going to go down as, as a bust. And you think about all the draft. You think about what they gave up to get him. It's really one of the most disappointing trades in in the last decade. They gave up three three first round picks to move up to get him, and he's going to end up probably traded like that. Think about that for a second. So their quarterback situation could really shift. The, the landscape of the NFL. I mean, it could really shift the landscape of the NFC without question. It could have a, one of the biggest question marks in the NFC, if not the league, uh, with that quarterback situation. Um, so that would definitely define uh, that division. That's definitely a question, uh, define a, a, a defining uh, question for that division. Um and again, they they need to they they need to go this year. Like they're not. We talk about well, you know, we talk about Buffalo and them knocking on the door and and leaving chances out there to where they can win the Super Bowl. San Francisco is absolutely in the same boat. Like they don't have that many opportunities left um, with that with this roster before they have to kind of retool and reload. Uh, you get you listen unless you're Kansas City, you get a couple of knocks at the door, and if you if you don't. Push the door down. This is reloading time and retooling time. And your retooling will not look like Kansas City's retooling. Your retooling might look like a couple of playoffs, a couple of seasons where you don't make the playoffs. And the Rams return to the playoffs. Um, hell no. And you look at the Rams, they are starting to pay the piper for all those traded picks, all those draft first round draft picks they've traded. They haven't had a first round draft pick since 2016. Now, Jalen Ramsey is gone. Um, they now they're over and under is, is like is six and a half wins, which probably is about right. 
Now, they still have top players in Cooper Cup and Aaron Donald in Cooper Cup. So Aaron Donald is still arguably one of the best players in all football, even though he came off a, a you know a relatively off season for him. Last year, Cooper Cup is still, I think, a top wide receiver. But the problem with the Rams is the lack of depth at multiple spots on the opposite line, just all around, all around their roster. And that's what happens when you trade every first round pick, you know, trying to go all in for a championship, a championship, and a championship which they won two years ago. So at a certain point when you do that, you when you do that, you have to pay the piper at a certain point. At a certain point, injuries gonna occur, guys getting traded. Now they're starting to pay the piper for that. And again, I don't have any real faith in this team. Matthew Stafford is not getting any younger. Stafford, we know, is not a guy that he was perfect for this team with all the talent that they had, that they have, that they had to put them over the top versus a Jared Goff. He was perfect a couple years ago when they got him. Now, but we all know from his time in Detroit, uh, he's not a guy that's going to elevate a team that is lacking talent. Or lacking depth. That's just not. He's not on that level. He's a very good player, but he's not a. He, he's not an all-time great here. He's like he does not. He's not going to elevate your roster if your roster is lacking depth or star power. And right now, they're lacking both. They have a, like a, they have a couple of big names, and that's it. You look at that that roster. This is not a very good roster at all, and their room for error is minuscule. They get the wrong guy injured. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be Stafford. It doesn't even have to be Aaron Donald, but they get, I mean, they get the one, they, they get a couple of injuries. That depth will could get exposed, will get exposed quickly. Okay. So I, again, I don't see, I don't see them making the playoffs, even though, even though that, um, even though it's much easier to make the playoffs than, you know, with, with the extra spot. Uh, and I, I see another, I see a six and 11 type year. Maybe seven and ten if they're if they're lucky, if they overachieve maybe seven and ten. But I don't. That, that's they're not a five hundred team. They're not a playoff team. They they will have a long year. Long. Uh, this is going to be a rebuilding process, and they're probably going to they're probably going to tear this thing completely apart. Uh, to be honest with you, before they uh before it gets good again, can Jonathan Gannon turn around Kyler Murray? Um. So. We all know, of course, Kyler Murray came off the ACL injury back in November, excuse me, December, last December 12th against New England. He probably won't be back. He's probably going to miss at least the first six weeks and won't be back till probably like late October, early November, if that. Um, now, despite the immaturity, despite the terrible playoff game a couple of years ago, um, he still for his career is 84 and 41 as far as his touchdowns to interceptions. 84 touchdowns, 41 interceptions, 23 rushing touchdowns, and he's only 26. I there's without question, there's still gas left, more a lot of gas left in the tank. He's young. I would not, and I've heard you've heard trade rumors. You've heard, you know, can he be a franchise guy? Can he lead a franchise? He's too talented to give up on. He is, just is. Like you can't. Like I, I, as an owner, I have to find the people, personnel wise, as far as coaching, general manager wise, vice and all. You know, as far as my infrastructure of my franchise, to say, you need to fix him. We're not trading him. You fix him. Because 
First of all, you've invested too much with the with the contract. And number two, again, he is still a talented, talented player. You know, guys, he got he, now he has to mature. That's all there is to it. He has to mature, he has to grow up, he has to start taking accountability uh for his actions, stop pointing the fingers at, at everybody else except himself. Okay, that's cool. But that that um that doesn't mean I'm giving up on him. Like that, that doesn't mean I want to trade him. Like, no. It is all it is damn near impossible to find a, a quarterback. There's not a quarterback that you will find that, that has his upside right now that you can move him for. And if you want to go the route of trying to tank and get, you know, good luck trying to get Caleb Williams. A lot of people are going to try to get Caleb Williams for USC. The quarterback, the, the draft, the, the quarterback draft um, is not that strong this year. There's one guy that I see that I would want and that's Caleb Williams out of USC. Everybody else is a major question mark. So you're not tanking does not do it for you. They this roster now, what they have, they they have going for them, they will have six top draft picks. They will have six of the top hundred draft picks in 2024. Um Baker could be on the move. He's a talented player. And that way you can give them more picks per se. Uh this is a this is a year for them to fix Kyler Murray. Uh, yeah, you want to win some games. You want to try to make the playoffs. Of course, every, most teams do. But this is about Kyler Murray to me. Like this, this, this their their year is about Kyler Murray, and that's all there is to it. Like you have to, like I like if I don't feel like I have the people in the in my organization that can fix him, then I need to get new people. You got a new coach. Um, they they have some nice pieces. The roster is not terrible. Um, now he lost some people, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, JJ Watt, JJ Watt, and what have you. But there's still, there's still some talent on that team. But they need to get get him get Kyler Murray healthy and get him back on the right track. His development this year is more important than their winning. To be honest, which it really is from that standpoint. That that is the most important thing. That is the most important thing. Um, just looking at this division, this division is not very strong at all. I. Seattle might have the like San Francisco. I think is the best team. Seattle outside of San Francisco, San Francisco probably is the most stable. Uh, we'll see if Geno Smith can repeat what he did last uh, last season. I, you know who knows, but division um, is not very strong. Uh, I don't think I, I'm not in love with this division by any stretch of imagination. You have two teams that I, I just don't think that Arizona and, and the Rams are that are just are playoff caliber teams. I don't think either one of those teams. I, I, I believe I, I believe only one team is coming out this division to make the playoffs, to be perfectly honest with you. And that'll probably be San Francisco. So there are your three questions uh for the NFC West. Um I'm not even you know, I have Shikari Richardson. Uh, look, I'm not I had on it. I might as well, I, I didn't even plan on talking about it, but in terms of my real thoughts, listen, she has been phenomenal this summer. Uh, as far as uh, what she's been able to do, but let's let's not go crazy as far like let's let's not make this a scene like you know some of the criticism of her was not fair because I don't believe that like some of the stuff that she did was self inflicted. Um, let's not make her out to be like you know I hear this story of redemption. Now, if she wants to go out there and use it as motivation, that's fine. That's what athletes do. She has every right to do that. But I, I don't get the sense that it was that 
it was the world against Shakari Richardson and she was getting picked on. I, I don't I, I don't want to hear that narrative because it's just not true. She has she was first of all, she wasn't winning a lot of races a couple years ago. So that was the main that was that was the main criticism of her. Like she's not winning races. So when you start winning, you know, I heard, you know, heard a lot of people on the, especially on the internet internet say, well, you know, everybody, you know, you know, everybody fucks with you when you're on top. When you're not when you're not winning, nobody wants to mess with you. Yeah, that's kind of how it works. If you're not winning, then you know, if you're not winning races, then no one wants to deal with your attitude or with or with you or your with your mistreatment of people, per se. So yeah, you're not gonna get like that type of love. She um I forgot the name of the veteran sprinter that she came at that she came at who was trying to help her out. Uh not it wasn't Gail Devers, I forgot the name. It was one it was one of the legendary sprinters. But she kind of pushed a lot of people off. Um, she was kind of too arrogant, considering that she hadn't really won anything like that. Now she's winning. Cool. She's great for the sport. She's exciting. But I don't want to sit up here and make it seem like she, that some of that criticism was not warranted, because it was. Because it was. So it's great that she's winning. I'm excited for her future. Uh, hopefully, hopefully this carry her over into the Olympics. She would be one of the biggest stars in the Olympics without question. That's not even that's not even a question. But I, I'm not like I'm I'm not gonna be there. I'm not there in terms of, you know, the all the criticism was unfair and you know it was her it was the her against the world. I'm like I'm not there from that standpoint. That's where we wrap it up for this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast. I will see you next time. Uh, you will hear from me this weekend with the season two, episode one of our continuous of our looking back at the hit show Snowfall. Have a great, great rest of the evening, your evening. So.